in three, two, one. All right, everybody, and welcome to episode number 49 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host and dear friend, Barry. Now, Barry, we need to know, how are you doing? Uh, that's Chris. Oh, well, uh, this is another podcast that you're uh, (laughs) on me. This is awkward, (laughs) isn't it? Uh, Chris, I do apologize, pal. How be you? Oh, well, my man, we went from having the worst winters ever, and by worst, I mean no snow, to having literally the best winter that I can remember just this past week alone. Seriously, we're getting crushed with snow. And it's not ending there, my man. We've already had... What now? In the last week, we've had three snow events, and we're due for another two more, I believe, in the next five days. One of which could be substantial this weekend, which, oh joy, that's when I'm moving into a new apartment. Oh, and uh, guys, unfortunately, Chris will not be with us on the podcast anymore. He uh, was going to make that announcement at the end of the show, but I figured I'd just you know, let everybody know now, right, Chris? I mean, I don't see what would stop me from doing oh, the podcast. Oh, good God. God, I'm in an odd mood, aren't I? So wait, I, wait, I think I know what's happening here. Did you interview somebody named Barry? <laughs> that's supposed to be filling in my spot? <laughs> uh, Chris, I am uh, just delusional and uh, going out of my mind with the amount of downloads we had, dude. I don't know what happened within the past 72 hours, but we are getting downloaded like crazy, and it's all throughout the Midwest. So I don't know if someone accidentally promoted us or, you know, we've got into the right algorithm somehow. But, bud, uh, we are soaring. Well, to your point, it would be quite hard to believe that somebody purposefully put us at the top of a list somewhere to promote <laughs> us. So, yes, this this is coming to quite a surprise. Well, I think the last couple episodes were pretty good, like the uh, Elisa Lamb and then the uh, Eileen Moore Lighthouse. Those are the ones that are performing really well. But, uh... I'm afraid that when they go a little further back in our collection, (laughs) they're going to be in for quite the rude awakening. You've got that right. Now, Chris, with all that small talk out of the way, pal, we got to get rolling because I hurt my back today and I'm in a rotten mood and I have got to go lay down, buddy. So uh, what do you say we hop right in to tonight's mystery? Because tonight we are talking about the very disturbing deaths of Chris Kramers and Lisanne Vroon. This happened in 2014 in Panama. Chris and Lisanne were two Dutch college students that had made the trip from the Netherlands to Panama in order to do some volunteer work. And we're going to get into all this. But before they were even able to embark on this educational journey that they were looking forward to, they went missing when they decided to go for a hike in one of uh, the jungles in Panama. So Chris, with all that said, let's start breaking this down little by little. So as I said, the names of the young ladies were Chris Kramers and Lizanne Froon. And both were from... Oh, actually, your hometown, Chris, of Amersfoort, Netherlands. I'm not from 
The Netherlands. Chris, please just stick to the script. Uh, so, yes, they were actually Dutch students, as I said, who had recently graduated from college. And they were very close friends. They were actually roommates. So you can imagine they wanted to travel and see the world. And that's exactly what they had planned. They had been saving up their money. And this was sort of a gift to themselves for having recently graduated. So let's go back a few years, Chris, to 2014, more specifically March 15th of 2014. And that is when Chris and Lizanne arrived in Panama. And the estimated length of their stay was roughly six weeks. As I said, they were there to do some volunteer work. They were hooked up with an agency that put them in a school to, I guess it was doing like social work, some kind of clinical work within the school system. And in turn, they were given a place to stay with a host family. And I think another part of the thing that they wanted to accomplish there was uh, learning how to speak Spanish as well. So they basically covered all their bases on this trip. Like I said, they arrive in the middle of March, on March 15th. All was well and good for the first two weeks of their trips. They traveled around Panama, and then it was two weeks after their arrival on March 29th when they arrived in the town that they were going to do their volunteer work. And that town is Boquete, Panama. They do arrive in Boquete, and uh, they get to meet their host family. So for the first two nights that they're there, everything seems fine. They get acquainted with the family, and they go to the school to get confirmation as to when they're going to be starting. But unfortunately, the girls go to the school and they realize, and I don't know if it was through miscommunication or a language barrier, but they were told that they had arrived a week early. So they weren't supposed to start their volunteer work at this school until... I believe it was that second week in April. The girls were obviously disappointed, but being young and being in a foreign country and a tourist destination with tons of shit around to do, I mean, it couldn't be that bad. But the girls were obviously disappointed that they couldn't get rolling with it, but they had the host family, they had a place to stay, and, you know, most importantly, they had each other. They actually met some other uh, Dutch students that were down there, and they were hanging out with them and going swimming, hiking, and all that shit. They were getting acclimated with the town. But unfortunately, all of that changed on April 1st of 2014, and that is when the girls decided to go for a hike on the Pianista Trail. Now, what's odd here, though, Chris, is that, as I said, they went for the hike on April 1st, but we've come to find out that they were scheduled to go on that hike with a tour guide on April 2nd. You know, I don't know if they decided to push this forward because it ended up being a nice day in Boqueta because, you know, generally speaking, it is rainy and we're in March and April. We're in, you know, early spring. So, I mean, you can imagine the kind of weather that you're dealing with, you know, moderate days, but tons of rain and cold nights. So, you know, they got a nice day. So maybe that tied in with the upcoming forecast. Maybe it showed rain. They decided to just go for it themselves and save the money and not have to take the guide with them. In this type of terrain, it's very important, especially if you're not <laughs> uh, a um, experienced hiker walking into a Panamanian jungle, you might want to have a guide with you, a guide that would know CPR, that would have, you know, a first aid kit and more specifically, know the terrain. Yeah, seriously, I would not, right, when you're talking about what's in the woods too there, like the jungles. Yeah, animals or humans. Yeah, I, I, I would not take my chances alone, I mean, unless it was a quick little, you know, this isn't like, this isn't like the uh, Hudson Valley where you go hiking and you got a map with you and, and marker trails all over the place. I'm assuming there's just a beaten path maybe and, you know, that's it. 
Well, you know, I feel like nothing good ever comes out of hiking. Every time I go hiking, there seems to be a fucking problem. I, I sprain my ankle, I end up getting lost, and that, that's the thing we come to find out with this story, Chris. It is so easy to get lost. Did you ever think that maybe hiking doesn't like you? Oh, God, who said that? What did I ever do to hiking, Chris? <laughs> but in all seriousness, you'd be surprised, maybe you wouldn't be, how easy it is to get lost, even with a map, and people around you. <laughs> There's so many trails that cross each other. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Panama, but just hiking in an area that's actually been maintained, and you have markers. Whoa, 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 back it up. Are you saying... Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that the Panamanian trails are not well-groomed? I... I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying. Denounce, cr- denounce your privilege right now. Denounce it. <laughs> denounce it live on the air. Uh, I I apologize for my. Uh... Fuck it. I'm sounding the alarm. Oh no, me on me. <laughs> I'm done. But you are right, Chris, because you know you know the the little forest that I have here that I run through. I told you this story, and this happened a couple of years ago. We'll get back to our story shortly. When I was running and training for one of the Spartan races that we do, I was deep in the woods, and dude, I was going through all these trails and shit, and I had my headphones on, which, and I realize now that that's a bad idea. When you're in a densely wooded area, you need to have all your senses going at 100%. So, I come running up, bro, and there was a guy dressed in a suit in the deep, deep woods, it caught me off guard, and I was fucking shocked. But you know, I always carry a knife on me if, if need be, especially when oh, I'm in the woods. Jesus. Yeah, especially if I'm in the woods. But I panicked, so I just picked up a rock. I was like, if this guy fucking comes at me, he's getting smashed. But luckily, like he just looked at me, but he was like sitting on a rock in the middle of the woods by himself, dude. And there was no place around, and there was no car in the parking lot. So this guy must have came in <laughs> through like a fucking back road or some shit that I don't know about, and. I mean, I don't know. I, I I hope he's fine, but he scared the shit out of me, and I have never worn headphones while hiking since. <laughs> you pull a fucking knife on the guy. He was simply just looking for directions. His car broke down. <laughs> and my man, I ran my first two-minute mile. <laughs> yeah, you need to be able to hear what's going on around you. Um, not even just people, but, you know, we don't live in, a, in an area like a jungle that's going to have jaguars and stuff, but we... Do have coyotes and you know, yeah. Bear, I mean, you could run into anything. A- anything could cause a fucking problem. Fucking out. bear, you never know. So the point of what we're getting at here is that it's so easy to get lost, even if you're on a, a well-traveled trail. You know, you make one little wrong turn and then you're all out of sorts. The interesting thing here, Chris, and what makes me think that the girls were just going for a short hike is that they had the host's family's dog with them. And they went for the hike, and this is still April 1st. They go into the jungle, they start hiking. A couple hours later, the family's dog comes back by himself. So you can imagine now what the host family's probably thinking. Like, these girls take your dog out for a walk, they're going to the woods. They're not overly familiar with the area, right? They've only been there for a short period of time. Dog comes back, you gotta imagine that the alarm bells would begin to sound. So here's an interesting thought about that. Obviously, these you know these women don't know the dog that well, and they're taking the dog out 
just themselves, and I'm, I'm assuming that the families whose dog it is probably takes the dog with them all the time on trails. So they're probably like, oh, you know, take the dog. The dog loves to go hiking or whatever. I would want that dog with me. I mean, who knows? Like we said, there's all kinds of animals in there. There's anteaters, snakes. What the hell is an anteater going to do to you? But I, I don't face? know. I, they're fucking ugly. <laughs> No, but but my point here being is that if that dog ran off and they want to go look for it, that could have been the reason they got lost. That is a very astute observation, Chris. I never even thought about that. That's a very good point. I you know, like that's why I'm saying I wouldn't want a dog with me unless it was on a leash, which it clearly wasn't. Because if the thing goes running off, I don't know where the hell I'm going, and I don't know if the dog knows its way back. And how awkward would that be? You got to go back to the host family without their dog. Dog's <laughs> fucking gone. But the dog obviously knows its way because it makes its way back on its own. But the girls probably didn't know that. Well, that's, maybe they weren't looking for it. The th- that's the thing with this terrain, bro. I mean, so you're up in the mountains of Panama, bro. Like th- this, and this town is basically set in a valley amongst the mountains. I mean, you have rivers, there's lakes. Oh, a jungle, for Christ's sake. That's where this hike takes place, in a jungle. And to make matters even crazier, it's right on the Continental Divide. So you have a trail that runs through this jungle, and the first part of it, from what I've read, is supposed to be an easy hike or a, a decent hike for the average tourist. But when you go past that Continental Divide, apparently that's when the trails drift off in different directions. It becomes a little bit more covered, and you know it's more meant for the locals and more experienced hikers if that's what you're into and when you have a dog with you that thing's gonna chase any little fucking in yes. this case monkey in sight seriously serious you know. anything yeah i mean you know a dog's only trained for so much before they just go with their animal instinct and start chasing shit not something i would have done but obviously clearly they, they had good intentions here so they're continuing on their hike and what happens That's a very good question, Chris, and that's what everybody's been trying to answer for the past seven years at this point. What happened next? We don't know. The best that we can do is really just look at the evidence, or lack thereof, and take a guess at what we think happened. So, let's break the day down. So, here we are back on April 1st. The girls enter the Pianista Trail with Azul, the dog, at 11 a.m. Everything seems to be going well and good. Azul heads back by himself to the host family. The host family is probably concerned, but maybe they just figured that they're college students. They weren't really paying close attention to the dog. Like, we don't know if the dog was on the leash, like you said, Chris. The dog just came back. So they gave it a few hours. Didn't think much of it at the time. We now are privy to the phone records of the girls. We come to find out, Chris, that at 4.39 p.m., approximately five and a half hours after the girls entered this trail into the jungle, that there was an attempt made to the emergency number 112 from Chris Kramer's phone. 112, from what we have gathered, is basically the international equivalent of 911. Am I right Chris. Jesus. 112 is apparently a common emergency telephone number that can be dialed, that's right, free of charge Mm. from most mobile telephones. Ooh, thank you so much for clarifying that for us, Chris. We're going to find out that these call logs and these attempts at trying to connect to emergency lines, both 112 and 911, come to play a huge role 
in this case. Because as the minutes and hours and days, and unfortunately weeks, roll on, these girls make a number of attempts to get help via their cell phones. Starting out with 112, they've probably clearly realized at this point that maybe 911 is the better option to go with because that is the emergency number in Panama. And the interesting thing is, even though Kramer's phone does not connect, on April 2nd, Froon's phone at approximately 156 actually gets a connection to the GSM, which is the global system for mobile communications. Uh, that That is the, uh, the way that they actually can connect you to an emergency line. So they do briefly get connection, but it's short term apparently. Fuck, think how close they came. The timeline here they have on the phones too, knowing that they they could tell about all the attempts and check on the checks on the phone, they must have somehow been able to maybe get a GPS signal or something from their phone. Like it was in 2014, was that prominent yet? I can't remember. Prior to that, there were five other attempts made. So these girls knew initially on day one within five hours that they were in trouble and they needed help now let's go backwards to when the dog shows up at the host family like i said initially they weren't too panicked but as the hours rolled along and then day turns into night so that evening they reported it to police but the police didn't do much of anything they just assumed that they were college students and they were out on a town touring around and they'll, they'll be back you know so they did not do anything to help the family but you know the family being the host family has the obligation to help these kids that are with them so now it's the following day it's april 2nd still no word from the girls the tour guide now and remember we said that they had a tour set on april 2nd to go into this very same jungle and go on this very same trail so he shows up to pick them up or talk to them about their itinerary and they're nowhere to be found so at that point the family informs the guide the guide is now nervous and if you dig a little deeper some people suspect that maybe the guide was a little shady and he knows more than he's letting on to but not so sure because this is his you know means of earning a living so regardless at this point it is now day three april 3rd to be exact and the guide decides to go looking for the girl. And he actually gets a couple of his friends. They head in there. They're looking around. They head out on the uh, Pianista Trail. And like we said, Chris, this terrain is fucking wild once you get past that continental divide, right? Not only that, you know, you have rivers, you have valleys. They're prone to mudslides. And they also have these things called monkey bridges, dude. And it's similar to, like, something that we've done in Spartan races. Basically, it is a piece of rope that you do, like, a tightrope routine with. And you got two other ropes side by side to hold on with your arms but you have to like tightrope your way across where dude it is so easy for someone to fall off that thing and just plummet to a very severe injury or even you know potentially their death so going into this the search party here has to know that anything at this point could have happened to these girls they could have fallen victim to an animal attack gotten hurt throughout the terrain knows what kind of freaks are fucking lurking in this jungle right you know who knows if there was somebody waiting for them we don't know that so now chris as i said we're on day three we're three days into this guess who finally decides to show up and help the police oh there they are they finally decided to show up 
the police three days later decide to start searching themselves. They kick the fucking guides out. And at this point, you got all these guides going through the uh, wilderness there. They've tainted everything at this point. So the police now are involved three days later. Begs the question, why did they take so long? And my guess would be that it has something to do with the reliance on the tourism industry and Buqueta. Because if you have news that you suspect that there was a violent crime or something suspicious to happen to tourists, it might affect the bottom line of that industry. But let's keep fast forwarding, Chris, because now that was April 3rd where the police started their search. They searched for days and days and days. Finally, on April 8th, Chris, an aerial search has started, and they find absolutely nothing. But now you got to remember, they're in this jungle for over a week, so at this point, you're dealing with, most likely, right, an injury of some sort with this terrain. You can have dehydration, because we come to find out, Chris, when their bag is later located, they only had a bottle of water with them or a couple bottles of water small bottles that tied in with the fact that they did not have enough food nor first aid supplies you can imagine at this point the chance of survival is getting less and less with each day or at this point even hour that passes so we know that based on the records that for the first three days they're trying to reach out to the emergency numbers 112 911 but there's continued activity all the ways up, consistently anyway, all the ways up through April 6th before there's a break. And then, then what's the creepiest part is that the phone then again on the 11th. So from the 6th to the 11th, there was nothing. On the 11th, there is an attempt at ent- entering PIN codes on Kramer's iPhone, but they were incorrect multiple attempts that were incorrect so that kind of gives you like an eerie feeling like somebody else might have had the phone yes that is not a good feeling at all even if you say lizanne were try was attempting to get into chris kramer's phone i would assume at that point that they would know that you can just swipe i believe you could just swipe right and dial the emergency number you wouldn't need the password to get into that phone you know as you said that was on day 10 right so they went on april 1st that is april 11th when the last attempt was made so that's 10 days later now this is the interesting part chris so now we have attempts and checking of signals ranging from april 1st from when the girls first entered the jungle all the way through april 11th now, what is a very bizarre coincidence here, Chris, is that on April 11th, when those attempts were made, the police actually ruled the girls dead by means of hiking accident. Now, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's a mere 10 days later. They didn't enter the search till April 3rd. It's now April 11th, and they're already declaring the girls dead. And that's without any evidence. You know, there, there's not evidence that they're alive either, but there's not concrete evidence that they're dead. I mean, the only assumption that could be made would be time without proper resources, but we don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if they know if there are any water sources around or something that they could still, you know, basically keep surviving past the, what is it, 
without I know it's food is you can last a long time a couple weeks and I think I think it's just a couple days without water but I I think it's three days or something in this area there are rivers and streams but you got to remember they are loaded with parasites so that's not really an option you drink that and you are just opening yourself up to a whole nother set of problems I mean I guess in a desperate situation yeah I mean you know one way or the other I guess you would take the risk of (laughs) <laughs> the parasite, right? Yeah. So let's go backwards just a little bit, Chris. So on April 6th, the parents of both girls fly into Panama, and they offer a reward of $30,000 for any information that may help. And they, right from the get-go, did not like the police's stance on the issue. They felt like they didn't do their due diligence, that they were ultimately trying to protect the tourism industry. They weren't taking it seriously, and they shouldn't have declared the girls dead that quickly, which I agree. But the parents think that there was something more sinister going on instead of just the girls succumbing to the elements. It's tough to kind of know. It's obviously easy to just think they got lost and they just, you know, they succumbed to any, whatever, exhaustion or dehydration and then that was it. Very possible that that happened, and that would be an easy story to convince anybody. But I'm still really thinking hard about that. From April 6th to the 11th, there's nothing. Or from April 6th to the 10th, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden on the 11th, the phone's turned on, and people are someone's trying to type in a PIN code multiple times that, that's false. When the girls entered the jungle... On April 1st through April 6th, one week, right? Not even a week. There were over 18 attempts made to 112 and 911, as well as signal checks, making the implication that there was activity and that the girls were alive. And as you mentioned, Chris, from April 6th through April 10th, four days, there was no activity at all. So now take this all with a grain of salt, because we have two varying stories one says from april 6th through april 10th there was no activity on the phone at all looking at that you would think that the girls probably would have succumbed to their injuries or if it was something more sinister we don't know but due to the fact that there was no activity from the one report from for four days and then on the 11th there's uh multiple attempts to sign on and then getting the wrong pin which is very suspicious in my eyes. But there's another report out there, Chris, that says from April 7th through April 10th that there was another 77 emergency call attempts made from Chris's iPhone. So depending on which one you look at, you get a different vibe as far as what's happening, right? So if those 77 emergency calls did take place from the 7th to the 10th, I would believe that the girls were still alive. If there were no attempts made from the 6th through the 10th, I would think that their phone was taken by someone and ultimately attempted to be broken into. That's what leads to so many different ideas as far as what happened to these two young girls. You know, there's just so much information. And without the police having done a very clear and precise investigation right from the get-go, this is what we're left with. So now we have this call log, but we have firing reports. Time goes on and there's still no new evidence nothing at all right that is until 10 weeks later in june when a local woman 
finds a backpack that was snagged on a branch in a local river. We come to find out, Chris, that the backpack belonged to Liss Ann. This is our first breakthrough piece of evidence. So she brings the bag immediately to the local authorities. They open it up. They find a camera, $83, a water bottle, two bras, and sunglasses. In addition to all these items in the bag, Chris, the young lady's phones were in there. They were dry and in very good working condition. The interesting thing here, bud, is that the bag was reported to have been in a river. I don't know about you, but if electronics hit water, I generally assume that they get fucked up. Am I right, Chris? Right you would be if that was the case here. Yeah, but it's not, is it? Because it is reported that the camera and all the belongings inside the bag are in pristine condition. No damage whatsoever. And yes, that's suspicious, but thank God for that because on this camera, we get a little bit more information. This is our first big piece of evidence that might be able to tell us the story of what happened to these two young ladies. So Chris, why don't you tell us what they found on the camera? Obviously, of course they had a camera with them, right? But in this case, it it would appear anyway that on April 8th, that they took 90 flash photos between 1 and 4 a.m., Apparently, deep in the jungle, obviously in complete darkness, we can make the assumption that, well, if you're taking 90 flash photos at night, obviously not taking pictures of anything in particular because you can't see, that it would be used as a source of light so that they could continue to see where they're walking. Now, we know that the phone cannot be dead at this point because on April 8th, Although there was reports that there was no activity on the phone, we know that on April 11th, there were attempts to open the phone with an incorrect pin several times. So their phone's intact. It would make sense that they wouldn't want to use the light on their phone because that might kill the battery of the phone. So, you know, obviously they still may want to use that phone. That's, of course, if they're the ones that were taking pictures. Well, (laughs) that's the eerie thing, right? So as you said, they're just taking these flash photos and they're available online. So when you look at it, it is very eerie. It's just showing some of them are just complete darkness. Other ones show, you know, the, the foliage of the jungle. There's even a picture of the back of one of the girl's heads. Very eerie shit. You know, I'm of the belief that they did use it for, as you said, as a light source, but there's a lot of people say, oh, they wouldn't use it because they would be blinded by the light. But that makes no sense either, because why would the fuck would you be facing the camera towards you? You know, when you take a picture, the flash goes out. It doesn't blind you. It's only when you're taking a picture of yourself. Right. Yeah, I don't know what, what kind of... I, I hear that, that quite a bit of times. It makes no sense to me. I would definitely use that as a source of light. But how scary is it, bro? If, you know, they heard something and they take a quick flash and, you know, they see something and then... All of a sudden, you're back in darkness again because you don't know what you're hearing. Like, you, there's monkeys, there's jaguars, there's fucking, as I said before, I'm obsessed with these anteaters in there, snakes, anything. Yeah, most likely people, too. It was also noted that during the search for the girls, 
there were flares being shot into the air. It begs to at least ask the question, maybe the girls were trying to respond to that, or maybe they heard the search party and were trying to alert them via that flash. That's possible. I mean, when you're desperate, you're, you're going to do anything you possibly can to get attention. Now, as you mentioned, traveling at night in a jungle... Oh, my God. Hearing the noises of different animals, and as you said, there's jaguars, monkeys, snakes, all different types of, even like probably poisonous frogs, I think. It's not a situation you want to be in, but obviously when you're fighting for your life, you're going to do what you can uh, to be found. So, yes, that makes sense. 90 photos, obviously taking as many as it was, that would signify that it would be someone using it as a source of light. And so one of the pictures reveals that it's possible that they were near a river or some sort of a ravine. Some of the photos actually have pictures of a twig with plastic bags and candy wrappers on top of a rock. And apparently another one shows what what appears to be toilet paper and a mirror on another rock. And then you mentioned uh, the back of... Kramer's head. That, that is the eeriest one, in my opinion. Because so, you don't know if she was alive or dead at that point, right? Right. I, I, if we're assuming that you know they weren't the ones using the camera, uh, then then yeah, we, we would not obviously know. But. You know, th- there's a couple other very bizarre things with that camera. So if you go into the beginning of the role, you know, you look at it, and the girls are taking the selfies and all these pictures together and then a lot of people speculate as the pictures go further and further down the 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 role here that the girls faces and their stances start to change there are some pictures where i I believe it was lizanne where she's kind of bent over looking to go into the foliage and her hands are behind her back some people speculate that maybe her hands were tied they were being held captive i i don't think so i mean I, i i when i look at them it just looks like they're probably fucking tired. They don't want to be in this jungle anymore. They're probably lost, assuming that they're going to get out. So they're just kind of like documenting it as they go at that point. But the weird thing is, Chris, when they recover these photos, they were able to do something with the digital files and they number them accordingly. There was one picture, and I believe it is number 509 in uh, their database there that shows it was deleted now that's a fucking odd one man just one picture one picture did they capture a picture of someone who didn't want to be seen again i don't know man because why not just take the camera and fucking smash it get rid of it yeah not to mention that if somebody you know was involved so let's just say if this was an actual homicide of some sort you know there was cash and and whatnot left in their bags and their phones, obviously, all that stuff. So it just doesn't fit necessarily the profile of somebody, unless they're a psychopath, who knows. And you could only imagine that the, at this point that the girls are probably delusional, right? And could easily have hit the wrong button or you know, frantically try and take more pictures and double-click the delete button and a picture is deleted. Who knows? It's just an eerie fact basing that off of all the other photos that we see in this. But I'm just looking right now, dude, at a list of snakes in Panama jungles. Dude, forget it. The tropical rattlesnake, tree vipers, hognose vipers, 
sea snakes, the cousin of the elusive sewer snake, and um, yeah, huh? Uh, <laughs> and your favorite, Chris, the Bushmaster. I mean, you're dealing with all these things too. My God, I mean, I, I just feel for these girls. Think about how terrified they must have been. Fuck. But Chris, our story goes from bad to worse. After finding this backpack, it leads to a series of new investigations and new searches. They found some very bizarre stuff. There are actually more questions than answers, as always seems to be the way it goes in this case. The first weird thing that they find is a pair, and get this, Chris, a pair of denim shorts, which belonged to Chris Kramer, and they were found on a rock not too far from where the bag was found. But here's the creepy part, dude. They were folded and in great condition. Riddle me that. I mean, would somebody wash them and dry them and fucking put them back? I mean, because if they're out in the jungle for these fucking, all these months, you know, they would obviously be fucked up. I mean, they would obviously be torn to shreds or at least dirty, right? The next discovery just gets even darker. Because it was, I think it was a few months later after, so probably sometime around late summer, I'm thinking in August, that they actually found a foot inside of a hiking boot. Chris, and that foot unfortunately belonged to Chris Kramer. In addition to that, they found a pelvis bone that was later proved to be that of Lizanne's. So at this point, we can officially say that we found out that the girls have passed away. But like I said, the questions keep rolling in, Chris, because there were reports that Chris's bones look as if they were bleached. I understand decay and the elements and maybe even the sun hitting down on them could have caused this, but you got to remember, we're in a jungle. Most likely, the moisture in there is going to lead to various kinds of like mudslides, and if the bones are on the ground, they're going to be intertwined with all those natural elements of rain, dirt, you know, even animals coming by and carrying them around. And you got to remember, bones are porous, so it's not like they're are not going to absorb the mud. They would be dirty, right? They would at least be stained, you would think. It's an odd detail. One of the Panamanian forensic anthropologists actually says that there was no discernible scratches of any kind on the bones, neither of natural nor cultural origin, and it said there are no marks on the bones at all. So to me, you know, you would think that if animals were involved in this, that there would ultimately be scratches, puncture marks, anything of that nature, right? The other thing that I find interesting here is that, you know, the remains were found close together, but they were in varying different states of decomposition. So if they're in the same area, in the same elements, you would assume that, at least I would, that the decomposition would follow the same path on both bodies, what, what I would love to know, I guess, is that where this bag was found exactly and how somebody that was going through the woods just happened to stumble upon something that would have been a location where the girls would have assumed that they were nowhere near any type of life or civilization. But this person somehow, unless they were traveling deep in the woods... Well, that's the thing. with This woman, she apparently went right to the police, but... Who knows? You know, she said she's walked past this area quite a few times and didn't see it until that very day. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, who knows if it was her or somebody planted it there. But here's an interesting little tidbit. When they investigated the backpack, they found over 30 sets of fingerprints on the backpack. Fuck. So you know that people were touching this shit. Looking through it and not knowing, maybe, like if passerbys. But, you know, where would there potentially be passerbys? I'm going to get far-fetched here a little bit, too. It sounds like there could have not only been tampering with, this could have been the act of somebody who maybe, who let's just say, committed the crime and left their things in a different location from where they committed the crime. Or, and this is a, this is reaching real far, somebody saw their clothes and whatnot, and they were dirty and everything, and they washed them and put them back in the bag, brought them back. I, like I said, I'm reaching Why? Here, but like, they take them I, off the fucking body and like wash them? Good, good Samaritan? I, I'm assuming if they were off the body. I'm reaching here, but I'm trying to figure out what scenario has their clothes neatly packed up. There is none. I mean, that's fucking eerie, man. Unless like, they took it off themselves because they were becoming delusional and put their stuff in a bag. I but the camera was found in the bag, too. So if they had all these photos that were being taken, as this woman says, apparently that this bag was found down by the river. You would assume that it had made its way down the river, going by the location she said she found it at. There would obviously have to be water damage. And we're talking months, and the thing is in very good condition. So in my opinion, this bag had to be inside someone's home or inside a protected location. Yeah, it's too neat. It's too... Too much tampering, it seems, that's involved here. So, Chris, why don't we wrap it up, bud? I am going to ask you right now, what says you? What do you think happened? My first gut feeling was that these two girls simply got lost. I I do feel that the dog had something to do with it in terms of them potentially losing the dog and going to search for the dog, and then it ended up involving them getting lost. From what we know of the morning before they left on that show, we do know that they had met with two younger Dutch gentlemen at the Pianista restaurant. Whether or not they had anything to do with this whole thing, I, it doesn't seem likely. But the fact that they're, they didn't, they didn't go on the day they were supposed to go with their guide, you know, it was the day prior. It just, I don't know, something, something just smells fishy with the way this whole thing turned up and getting ended up getting discovered at the end there so i i I really can't decide whether or not it was them initially getting lost and then ultimately led to them you know an unfortunate series of events leading to their death via murder Hmm. what say you oh thanks for asking chris well i'm with you initially i thought that it was an accident and looking at these monkey bridges that are in there, the terrain, mountains, mudslides, whatever environmental factors there are there. You know, it's easy to see how someone could succumb to any kind of wound when lost inside of the jungle. But there are just too many things here, dude, that make me think that there is something a little bit more sinister going on. And the reason I think that is because, let's look at the evidence here. We have a backpack found months later that was supposedly found near a river, all the electronics inside of it were in great condition. So somebody had that backpack and they probably didn't want to get caught with it. And the person who had it might not have had anything to do with it. They might've just found it and look, wanted to wash their hands clean of it, let it it go, put it somewhere. That's the first factor. The thing that really freaks me out is the folded pair of shorts that were found on a rock. And 
you know, you would just imagine that at that point, having been out in the elements for all that time, that they would be tattered, worn, ripped. But no, man, they were in great condition too. And the other weird thing, and this is what really gets me, is that the bones were bleached. And I know that they say that could be from the sun, you know, animals cleaning it off and shit, but I don't know, man. Bleached bones, I think that that could be someone trying to hide any kind of, like, DNA evidence or maybe I'm looking too deep into it, but evidence of any kind. And, you know, who the hell are we to say that there's nobody lurking in those jungles? My guess is that these girls were murdered by someone who knew that jungle and that trail inside and out. I think they went too deep into the jungle, got lost, and they were just easy prey for someone. That's my thought. Maybe it was even someone that that saw them. You know, you got two young girls showing up that are clearly not from around there. And who knows, someone saw them going into uh, Boquete and or at least followed along and saw them and then came upon an opportunity. We don't know, but there's too much what looks like foul play towards the end of this whole thing. Yeah, man. I mean, the only thing that gets me is that, like what you said before, is that you would think that the money would be taken and the camera and the electronics. I mean, maybe not the phones because they could be tracked and traced, but God, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling after going through all this that there was something much darker than just getting lost and getting injured and succumbing to those injuries. I just feel that there was someone in that jungle that hurt these girls. That's just my opinion. But, you know, this is why we do this show and we put the questions out there. And if anybody has any other theories, please let us know. Now, Chris... With that little segue, I am going to wrap this up, bud, because my back is fucking killing me, and I am tired, bud. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to do the rundown, unless there's anything else you want to uh, chime in with, bud. I think that's it, Bill. I think you've said all that needs to be said. And like I said, I'm probably dead wrong on my assumptions, but uh, they're my assumptions. What the hell can I tell you? So, with all that said, Chris... If anybody out there wants to give us their theory and let us know what they think about the case, they can get in touch with us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or they can reach us on Facebook at Between the Cracks Podcast or they can get me at Between the Cracks Podcast on Instagram. We will write you back and we promise to write you back as soon as possible. And before we leave, let me just give you all the info. If you'd like to become a patron, we have a new patron episode coming out each month, and possibly even two, if we can get around to it. Now, uh, Chris, I... Let's not get carried away. Yeah, let's at least do the one first. We have a, a new episode coming out shortly, so you can become a patron there. There's all different tier ranges and shit you can get. Mugs, stickers, shoutouts on the show, whatever you want. So you can just follow that link in the show notes. And we also have a merch shop, and that's at teespring.com. Just search BTC. I will put the link to that in the show notes as well. We have a lot of cool stuff on there. And Chris, the shirts are selling like fucking hotcakes, bud. So uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's keep the ball rolling. So with all that said, bud, why don't you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest Oh. Farewell. My goodness, is that the Panamanian Night Monkey? You got it. I've been uh, working on.
waiting for for days. <laughs> God. Oh, oh, God. 105 minutes. Fuck me. Now, Chris, with all that small talk, at, you fucking stupid bastard. So, Chris, let's get rolling in. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Pianista. As you said, the girls were on a pen and... What the fuck is this thing called? Okay, okay, let me do it again. We come to find out that there was an attempt made. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, I gotta do that again. <laughs> From a payphone in my back. <laughs> it is a very thin line. Um, oh, God, we are fucking flirting with disaster. Jungle. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. What a doofus. Okay, I'm, I'm getting through this right now. But we come to find out, Chris... <laughs> <laughs> the, the fuck you are <laughs>